guys, hello and welcome back to Mummy Jojo Uncut Mojo Injection, episode 37. How are we doing? It's great to be back. Um, despite the fact I put a post on social saying the mojo had gone out of town a little bit this week, which it has, and um, I'm still doing all right. Don't get me wrong, I'll still be churning out the content. Um, but yeah, I've just found mindfulness has been harder this week. I felt hormonal. I felt the you know, these kind of critical thoughts that come in and all these things that we can try and learn to manage, but sometimes we just need to go with it and think, right, I'm not feeling as energetic this week or I'm not feeling as happy and I'm not feeling as yay, 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 mojo and all that stuff. And that's just part of being human. Um, so I always want to be really transparent in everything I put out and I think that's an important part of the content and I just want it to be genuine and to encourage you if you're not feeling great and you have highs and lows it's fine and um, we speak about this today. So I have Vanessa Camby. So Vanessa is a married mum of two and after pursuing a modelling career for 10 years this girl is hot. In fact I had a few messages um, after the stories I put for singing karaoke to see fancy her um, so she was a model for 10 years in London and Edinburgh and um, she came back to shift her focus she's a videographer a podcaster I've been on her own great podcast Magnificent Mothers so that was a real honour and we spoke about loads of things including anxiety um, Vanessa also has her own YouTube channel and um, she posts a lot alongside creating videos for The Social on BBC and I caught one of her posts actually on Facebook the other night for the BBC all about um, how we can look after our mental health and Vanessa and I are really into our meditation and I'm sure we've cried together in the same led group uh, with Lynette Gray. Um, it's just such a good thing to do to, to try and be mindful, to try and deal with all these emotions that we're faced with as humans, you know, sadness, anger, frustration, all these feelings that we have and it can be so easy in life to kind of play the victim and I get frustrated with myself if perhaps not always dealt with things as I'd like to and you know we don't always deal with things as we'd like to and some sometimes that's just kind of a license that we need to learn so may that be motivation to you and um, I'm delighted to have Vanessa this week and she's a great gal so enjoy this very honest very deep fun lovely chat with singing at the end and uh, Tracy Chapman do you remember when we were driving, driving in our car? Yeah, we'll be ending with a bit of her. Um, she's awesome. Right, guys, loads of love. Thanks for tuning in. Please hit stars. Vanessa deserves loads and loads of stars. And you can rate us every week, um, which helps people find us. Thank you for the shout out from Singapore. Delighted people are finding um, the podcast there. Um, mental health is for everyone. So thank you. as well hello hello how are you i'm good thanks how are you i'm very well and it's really lovely to have you here thanks so much for having me looking fabulous and um i was on your amazing podcast magnificent mothers and we had a great chat there and we'll we'll, we'll talk about some of the the themes like anxiety is so important to both of us to raise awareness um but yeah i want to know more i, I want to know a little bit about your history, you know, we've all yeah. got history. And looking at you now, I can see you were a model. 
Um, how did you get into modelling? So when I was 12, I was in Stirling watching, like, of all places, so random, <laughs> watching a fashion show. I actually had, like, a boyfriend in Stirling at the time. 12 does seem a bit young, but anyway, I thought I was, like, 25. Um, and I was watching a fashion show, and I got approached by an agency in Scotland, and they said, would you like to be a model? And the thing is, I had never actually thought about it before then, because I was quite young, and I was, you know, an S1. Yeah. And I just thought, well, yeah, why not? Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> but modelling in Scotland was like a good starting point and it wasn't as serious in a way. Okay. As in London. terms of like, you know, weight and all that sort of thing as okay. London was. So mm-hmm. it was definitely a good place to start and to get into the industry mm-hmm. um, and to sort of like understand the ropes a bit. Um, but then when I stopped, when I finished school, when I was 18... My best friend and my sister had moved to London mm-hmm. and my idea was like, I didn't want to go to university straight away, I wanted to like have a gap year, mm-hmm. I'd go travelling, <laughs> but then I thought, oh, do you know what, they're in London, I'm just going to go and see if I can get a good agency. Uh-huh. And I went to London, I went to one of the biggest agencies in London and they said, yeah, like, we love you, mm-hmm. we're going to take you. And at that time they were on Channel 4, so there was like a documentary. Mm-hmm. And there was cameras all over the agency. So, like, I've actually watched myself walking into the agency, wow. sitting down, and then hearing what they said after I left, which was, like, really weird, because normally you would never be able to see what people said about you. What did they say? They were like, oh, she's amazing and stuff, which is so great. Oh. Um, Thank goodness they said that. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, it is a TV show, though, so they're probably not going to say... Well, actually, they might have to be a bit jazzy. Yeah, just to get get controversial. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get the press's attention. Um, so, did you enjoy the mo- How was the London modelling thing? So, I loved it um, initially. I mean, overall, it was great. But it was so amazing to like meet different people with modelling. Every single job you're working with new people. Like, there's a whole team, makeup artist, photographer, you know, like director, mm-hmm. casting directors you're meeting so many people and a lot of the people that I was meeting, most of the people were like amazing. Yeah. I've made some like lifelong friendships oh, from great. other models. Um, and obviously the money was pretty good. It was something that I'd never experienced before. So there was like, when I first arrived, it was during London Fashion Week. Okay. So there was like 10 castings a day. It was running all over London, like, which was crazy. And... Um, <laughs> But it was amazing to experience that and get work and, you know, get money at that age yeah. without, like, going to university or anything. Yeah. I, did, I did actually go to university, but at that point I hadn't. And I went to, like, a lot of events, just met, like, cool people. Mm-hmm. People might call, you know, like, celebrities, but actually it's not a big deal because it's yeah. just normal people. Yeah, exactly. We're all normal. We're yeah. just ordinary people. <laughs> yeah. You know, we are. but um... So it was great. But it got to... So it was never actually the thing that I wanted to do. Okay. Because I was cast... I was um, scouted at such a young age. Uh-huh. It was just, like, something I got into. Yeah. But that's not what I wanted to do. Why not? Because I, I just have, like, so many ideas that come into my head... Mm-hmm that I wanted to follow and I also felt like I really wanted to expand my mind okay. and 
become educated in certain things and modeling is great but it doesn't exactly like challenge you right. mentally okay and did you get fed up of people just focusing on your appearance did you ever feel like oh there's more to me I'm deeper than this or so I think I got numb to it mm-hmm. to the point where you go to a casting you hand over your book they're looking at you basically to think do we like you enough to your appearance enough to book you or not uh-huh. and I didn't care like you get to a point where it actually doesn't matter like yeah. because you're going to so many castings and you're not getting all of them yeah you still don't care yeah. which is it's good in a way because it's given me like resilience mm-hmm. in life mm-hmm. and to not care what a lot of people think although I am still quite sensitive in certain situations well we all have this crazy <laughs> thing called a mind right yeah. that, that tells us all these limiting beliefs and negative thoughts so that just means you're human yeah no definitely um but it got to a point after I was in London for five years where I was just like I want to do something else yeah like I I just fe- basically fell into this, yeah. and it was great, it was fun, did great things, but I wanted to do something else now, and I always wanted to start my own restaurant, wow. so I knew that. But I also experienced so many crazy things during the modelling time. Did anyone ever t- talk to you about your weight, or is it true what they say about people having cotton wool instead of food? Yeah, so basically, not everyone has an eating disorder that's modeling like some people are naturally thin like this is something that I have realized yeah. like some people could eat a lot of things and still be a certain body size yeah I'm not that person <laughs> like I mean I, my metabolism is pretty good mm-hmm. but I'm not the right size I'm not the right sizes naturally mm-hmm. to be the modeling sizes okay. so you get measured and they say you need to lose weight. But they're under pressure. So it's the agencies that are telling you this. But they're under pressure from like, the designers and whoever is booking the models. Because they want certain sizes. Why do they want certain sizes? They think that those sizes look better in clothes than other sizes. Right. But I hope that it's moving forward now. Uh-huh. Like I have seen a lot more curvy what they call curvy which is like size 10 which is actually crazy because I mean that's me (laughs) Um, you know curvy models and that sort of thing but I think there should be more just normal like you know I just feel like it should just be like an open thing Mm -hmm. and but obviously some people so they would tell me to lose weight got to a point where I had to go to the gym of the agency so I had to go pick up the card like their gym card from them so they knew when I was going go and they'd know how long I was there because obviously I had to come and give the card back yeah it's a lot and for me I was like quite I'm quite a sort of strong willed person Uh it did obviously get to me a bit because I I felt always under pressure like eating things got to a point where I was eating like literally two um cereal bars a day and maybe like um so I'd do that some days just be busy so I'd forget to eat kind of but it was working because I was obviously the right size at that point yeah Um, but some people when I was living in Istanbul actually for a month one of the girls just ate yeah like cotton wool balls to fill her tummy but also she would have like sugar cubes 
So, like, every so often to obviously, like, keep her going. Oh. And I was like, this is so horrible. Oh. And also I was living in a model flat, which is basically loads of models crammed into one room. There was triple bunks. Oh my so there was, like, like, something like so many of us, basically. There was three triple bunks in a room. And there was, like, two rooms. And all girls. And it was just, like, toxic. Oh. You know, you can imagine... It wasn't it wasn't great. I mean I was like I need to leave, like I cannot be living like this. And How was the mental health of the girls? The sad thing is that um in some countries like Russia and Lithuania, mm-hmm. um there are some of the countries that I came across like a lot of younger girls mm-hmm. that are talking like the thing is I think there's like an age limit that the agencies you have to be with your parents unless you're, you know, over 16. Uh-huh. But I would say that, like, I don't know if things were going through, you know, like, through the net or whatever. Oh. Because there were some really young girls and it's an opportunity for them. Like, you know, if you've come from, like, a deprived area, uh-huh. this might be your only opportunity to make money and you could make good money. It's pressure, it's isn't sad. it? It's oh. sad. Um, so that must be hard to see. Yeah, no, it's really hard to see. And that, that, I really hated it. I was like, I need to get out of here. Like, I really don't like this. But there was, like, really nice girls as well. That was just, um, that is just a, a small part of the, the industry. There's really nice models uh-huh. and there's really nice bookers yeah. in agencies. Okay. Um, it's just the pressures of the industry as a whole. Yeah. Makes, basically people have eating disorders and... Like, the agencies have to put pressure on the models, which isn't right, but is the way it was when I was doing it anyway. Do you feel there's a pressure in a different way now with the rise of Instagram? And there's so much chat in the press about teenagers and mental health. And when you're younger, you kind of have a bit less confidence. Well, not everyone, but, you know, they say as you get older, you get a bit more confident, a bit less caring of what other people think of you. So is this a, a kind of new danger with Instagram, you know, all these selfies and trying to have the perfect bomb or the perfect bust or whatever? What's your thoughts? How can we keep that a safe place for our daughters? So I think actually going back to modelling, that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to do it anymore was because I felt like people are choosing me because they think I'm pretty, basically. And then putting me out there along with like all the other models. Mm-hmm. And showing everyone else that, like, yeah, these are the people that, that have been chosen that uh-huh. look great or whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, that's horrible. Like, yeah. you know, and I feel with Instagram, there is, a, there is a good side in a way that, like, everybody has an opportunity mm-hmm. to do something for themselves. Mm-hmm. Whereas with, like, modelling, you kind of need an agency and that sort of thing. Okay. But it's difficult because... Everyone gets sucked into it. I mean, I get sucked into it going through the feed. If it's not, I, I don't really follow so much like fitness models and all that sort of thing. But like, you know, people going on holiday yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and you and want to go. You, you want, want to go. go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Especially when it's so cold and you're like, oh my God, get me out of here. Yeah, no, and it's hard and that can sort of subconsciously pull us down a little bit and yeah. it's uh, you have to be strong on there I think yeah definitely you know, I mean, you or just to... not use it a lot yeah yeah <laughs> it's 
it's tough it's tough um oh so much to talk about i think so the the modeling industry and then you you came up here yeah mm-hmm. and did you because you became a mom yeah yeah so i had oscar when i was in london mm-hmm. and i was a single mom for like two years uh-huh. and yeah it was, i actually loved it that's crazy but like <laughs> i love it i was a single mom i loved it <laughs> it was fresh <laughs> for people to hear you know yeah because it was like i only had to think about me and oscar uh-huh. and I'm not, I'm married now and I, I love my husband and I love my, my daughter, but th- I really enjoyed that time of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't carefree, but I felt like I could live my life. I felt like I didn't have so much, not responsibility, but I feel like when you've got a husband, mm-hmm. you really have to think about them as well. Oh, so so you can't just be like, oh, I'm going out tonight. You know, I had really good babysitters and that sort of thing and I wasn't out all the time. But when I did want to go out, like, I just thought, okay, yeah, I'll go and meet my friends. Yeah. Whereas I feel like there's a bit more, like, do you feel like that? It's hot. I mean, yeah, it's... The com- balance. Compromise is so hard in marriage. And, I mean, this is the longest relationship I've been in. So it's 11 years in April we got together. And it's like, yeah, it's really hard uh, to comfort. And just sometimes I want to wring his neck. Um, and he, and he's the same with me and you just yeah it's, it's a really tricky thing to navigate I think once you throw kids into the mix it just makes everything harder I mean magical in ways of course but harder for relationships you get less time to talk yeah and um, less time chilling in the spa which is what Scott and I love to do we do have something booked for February um, oh no thank goodness but but yeah, and then you worry the kids will probably get sick bug that day. Uh, but, but you know, it's a lot of pressure, isn't there? Yeah. Try and compromise. Yeah, and... no, it's it's different. But it is also amazing in so many ways to yeah. have a partner. Yeah. Like, I even think the other day I was, like, waiting for him to come home. <laughs> and I was like, if I didn't... Like, there was a time when I didn't have anybody to wait for. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. but then you don't wait for that. Yeah. It's weird because it's, like, it's a completely different mentality. Because like, mm-hmm. like, when I was a single mom with Oscar... I wasn't counting down the hours for someone else to come home yeah, as well. That's like another side of it. Yeah, you could flip it both ways. Yeah. Did you have help though or was it just you two together? So uh, we lived in London and my parents live in Edinburgh. Okay. My sister lived in London so she was there if I really needed her but she also obviously had her own life. Yeah. Um, and I lived up in North London so the nursery that he was at was amazing and I became really close with some of the workers there yeah. so I had one specifically she was amazing so with modeling I normally had to leave really early at like 6am so oh. she would come to my house in the morning wow. and then like take Oscar to nursery and then bring him back home That's amazing. and wait until I came back from work and what time would you get back maybe like depending on the job maybe like seven right so it's um, a long day yeah but it wasn't every day that's yeah, the thing about modeling it's yeah. just like maybe like a few days a week as and when so yeah you, you still have so that's quite good in a way because you've got your time to do to do something else as well so you're getting a little bit of adult space and interaction yeah and then you're having the sort of quality time so you what made you move up to edinburgh because you started a juice company yeah so i'm originally from edinburgh uh-huh. um moved to London and then I basically met my husband I knew him from when I was like 12 or 13 <laughs> and then we were friends and and then we 
lost contact when I moved to London. Not like nothing like malicious. Like we just, yeah. you know, it's not like for, I just we just didn't speak to each other. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, and then he added me. He didn't have any social media, so he wasn't in my mind at all. Yeah. Um, he added me on Facebook when Oscar was two. And at that time, I was already thinking I want to move back mm-hmm. because my parents are here. Yeah, I get that. And help. yeah, like it would be helpful to have someone that I didn't have to pay for. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like it'd be nice to be around them. Yeah. And yeah, so I moved back to Edinburgh basically partly because Sean, my husband, made that easier. Uh-huh. Literally, as soon as we met up, everything happened so fast and I moved back within three months. Oh less than that actually like within like a month or two months oh yeah so a love it was love <laughs> oh that's so nice no, so, so you nice. settled down here had another baby yeah a little girl yeah Maya oh I always wanted two and I actually wanted them to be two and a half years apart oh. but I was single at that point so that was impossible <laughs> it's hard isn't it it's yeah. like, um so you, you had that and it was all going well but then at one point you you did you just not feel right? You weren't sure it was anxiety or... T- tell us about that. So when I had Maya, when she was two months old, I got mastitis, which, okay. you know, as people don't know, it's oh, like brutal. a sort of infection from breastfeeding. And it was like a very quick thing. I'd almost had it before, so I knew the feeling, yeah. but this time it was like really sore. And I went to the toilet, basically. I had like a fever... And I came, I was walking back and I fainted onto the bed. Oh my dear. And so she was obviously in the bed. Oscar was in his room. My, my husband was in the bed. And I just remember him screaming like, Vanessa, Vanessa. Like, and I could hear him, but I was yeah. not conscious. Wow. And, and then I woke up and that was just like terrifying. Mm. And from that moment forward, mm-hmm. I felt faint. All the time for like a year and a half basically. Wow. And like it was so horrible. Went to A&E. They like obviously felt the mastitis. They were like oh it's just the mastitis. Mm-hmm. It's like just fever and all that. Mm-hmm. And I was like okay that's fine it'll pass. Didn't. Went to the doctor. They said that it was low iron. Because I did have low iron. Uh-huh. But that. I got that back up with iron tablets. Uh-huh. And you know like increasing iron in my diet. And. It was still there. I was like, it's still here. And they were like, oh, um, maybe it's just because you've got a baby and you're tired. I was like, what? No. <laughs> no, that was so annoying. Mm. I couldn't actually believe that that's what I was hearing. Um, and I was like, I've had a child before and I never felt like this. And he said, oh, well, you know, every baby's different. I was like, okay, fine. Like, maybe I am just sleep deprived because that is a possibility. Yeah. But it just went on and on. And so basically my, my symptoms were I would feel like I was on a boat. Mm-hmm. So like um, the floor wouldn't feel solid. Mm-hmm. So it would kind of feel like my foot was going into the ground, mm. which is so horrible. Like when it actually happened, because I felt like I was going crazy. Yeah, you would. And like it would be like it was the floor was moving. So I couldn't drive because I felt like it was a danger to myself and my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't basically go out on my own for like a good year because I just felt like I couldn't be with my kids on my own. And I always just felt like, what if I faint? 
Yeah. And I've got my kids and what, what's going to happen to them, which is anxiety, because it's just like the worry. Yeah. And there's so many people that I've spoken to, parents, that they don't drive, they don't go out much, and, and people would judge, friends would judge them and go, oh, why are they not? I think this whole anxiety thing is so much more common than we're yeah. let on, you know? I know. And... I didn't know it was anxiety at the time because I'd been to the doctor, no joke, about like seven times and every time they told me it was one thing or another. And anxiety never even, was never even a, an idea for them. Like, it wasn't a suggestion. Um, and Which is scary, really. It is, actually. It? And it was more than one doctor. I saw at least four different doctors. I'm not saying it's their fault, but like, what if I didn't... If, like look into it myself. Yeah. So I started to really um try and find out when it was that this was coming on because it wasn't constant, it would like come and go really yeah. quickly. Uh-huh. And so I started to think, okay, when's it happening? And like write it down. So it would be like if I went into a supermarket, I couldn't go into supermarkets actually, but as soon as I'd step in, mm-hmm. that would be it. Mm. And as soon as I like stepped into a train station, same thing. Like certain things that I would do mm-hmm. was so quick that it would happen. Yeah. And so I was like, no, this this can't be physical because it's literally like stepping into a supermarket isn't gonna bring something uh-huh. physical, not mental. And I was like, okay. Looked into like life coaching, getting a life coach, I mean. And one of the things that it said was anxiety and it said um, symptoms and it said feeling faint and I was like oh my gosh and then I like started to look into it and I was like no that is what I've got and it was just like actually so great to find what I thought it was and what it definitely was we just need a bit clarity sometimes or you can your mind you can send it down a slip like it's a slippery path isn't it yeah it's just oh so did you see a life coach or did you decide no so I, I did contact one but he was literally booked up eight months and I just thought that's ridiculous like who was that I I can't even remember who it was now um and then must have had good results (laughs) yeah basically and then I got in contact with we had like healthcare and they basically managed to get me a CBT okay and so that was like the first thing I did but when I found out, I really went on like a spree of what can help me because I before that I was like I, I can't live like this. Not in terms of like, suicidal, but like I just thought like this can't be it. I was so not like normal before. Yeah. You know, like I never felt like this. Yeah. And it really opened my eyes to people that have disabilities or mental health issues that you can't see yeah and that people might look at you and think you're fine mm-hmm. like people obviously probably thought I was fine or thought I was I don't know what they thought but I knew in my head that no like I actually can't feel the ground like yeah. which is mad mm-hmm. to think yeah. that that's possible yeah it, I mean but there'll be so many people well there there are so many people that go through it and it's yeah so how did you sort of get yourself back to a place where you felt right I'm, I'm, life's getting better now so I started the CBT I went to a Reiki session with EK Holistic Therapies who I literally like rave about because that after I went to that session with Emma it, I've never ever had it exactly the same again Wow. so I've never had it to that point of feeling faint like I'm actually going to faint I've never felt like that okay um 
and I, I still sometimes get like mild anxiety, mm-hmm. but it's not how it was. It's not debilitating. Uh-huh. Um, and the CBT gave me some tools mm-hmm. to find out how to kind of cope with certain things and also how to find out what in my life is stressful. Okay. But I wouldn't say that that was the main helping factor for me. Okay. I think Reiki and also meditation and women's circles with Lynette Gray, yeah. that really helped me. I remember going into one women's circle being like I couldn't breathe. So oh. I could breathe. <laughs> like, you know, it felt like I couldn't breathe. You were struggling. Yeah. yeah. So it would be like in the evenings, I just felt like I couldn't breathe properly, basically. And, and that's why I found her online on Facebook or like an ad or something like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I need to go to. Like, I need to just be with women. Because mm-hmm. that was another thing. I felt like I had no friends. Mm-hmm. And I have friends, but it's just that I hadn't seen them. Yeah. Because I'd taken myself out of London. I had a lot of mum friends. Mm-hmm. A lot of single mum friends as well, which actually was so great. Because we could just, like, meet up with yeah. kids. Whenever like, you wanted. Yeah. You didn't have to negotiate. <laughs> um, and then I came back to Edinburgh and all my school friends none of them have kids mm-hmm. and it's just not, not like they're still my friends and it's great but it's just not the same understanding as when yeah. you've got kids oh it's, it's totally different because uh, until you've actually been through something how can you fully understand it I mean I used to think people would say to me oh having kids is so hard and I'd be like oh whatever I don't care and then you have them and you're like oh, this is really, really hard. This is challenging. Like, I've given my life over completely. My life will never be the same again. You know, but you don't really know it until you're in it, do you? Yeah, no, exactly. Putting people off. If you're listening and you don't have kids, don't worry. Um, It is amazing. Um, I don't think you'll regret it. It's a really good thing to do, but it's very hard. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I actually found Oscar and my son, like, so easy. Yeah. I think, yeah, it probably depends on, like, your mental state at exactly, the time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I was like happy as Larry back then. Um, but yeah, with Maya, I just found it so much more difficult. Obviously, all my friends, I felt like all my friends were in London. I felt mm-hmm. like I didn't have any friends. felt like so isolated. Yeah. But that was also probably like partly depression. You know, it was just yeah. like everything was just like in my head. I just felt like everything was so bad. And it was it was like a heavy feeling like with all the thoughts and the, yeah, the critic the thoughts, and thoughts, yeah. yeah. I used to say to my husband, Yeah, I've got no friends. He was like, Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. And I actually do have friends. I just forgot. And I think it's also you need to make effort to see them. Mm-hmm. Like people some people will really be in contact with you, but I'm not the best person to stay in contact with people that aren't right beside me. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you really just have to reach out to friends and meet up with them. And that makes such a difference. That was something. I made a conscious decision that, okay, I feel like I've got no friends. I need to make friends mm-hmm. with kids in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. So I just started, like, reaching out to people, even on Instagram. Like, hey, like, do you want to meet up? Like, people I didn't know. But that literally changed my life as well. Yeah. So definitely, like, connecting with people... Face to face. Yeah, face to face, like, really feeling what they're feeling, Uh you know, having deep connections, and some sort of therapy, like, talking Mm -hmm. about what's going on in your head, because it's very easy to just let it keep going round, and that's when it really spirals out of control. 
Were you in Professor Green's talk at the yeah. Lobby? Yeah. So he was talking about, you know, when you share what can seem like a really big problem isn't as big as you think it is once you start to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. Which I thought was quite powerful, actually. Yeah, no, it's so true. But it's hard, It's really hard to share sometimes. And, um, but it's never... It's, I, I've not met one person that said, I regret sharing that. Oh, that's really interesting. Mm. So if you're listening now and you're struggling um, to share... Just and that's an encouragement there just to, to do it and it doesn't have to be like what we do with our podcast and, and YouTube channel that you're doing but just um, share yeah um, finding the right person sometimes it might not be your partner I mean I'm quite lucky in the fact that I can tell my husband everything mm-hmm. but some people might not feel that way so like uh, finding somebody uh-huh. or therapist like through the GP mm-hmm. that you can share with because I think I think being open-minded helps and there's that fear of judgment like some people you know one of the episodes earlier with um, Gemma and from Feeding Little Ones and and she basically put herself out there and did share and got a really bad reaction from someone in the family and they're saying oh you know you're not normal now when you hear of a story like that you think whoa not everyone is going to react that way but you you sort of hope that your gut feeling would tell you the majority of people you know would react in a favourable way. And if someone doesn't react the way that you would expect, then they probably have issues too that they're yeah, holding definitely. on to. It's a tricky one. I mean, it is pretty difficult. Yeah. People are complicated, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah. So, um, so let's go back to the... So when you were going through all that anxiety, is this when you set up the juice company? or So... So I actually started the juice company before I had Maya, okay. when I was pregnant, right. because I was in Edinburgh and I was like, I need to do something, uh-huh. like, okay, maybe this is my chance to start my own restaurant, uh-huh. but then I decided, okay, it's going to be a juice company, because I was quite interested in health and looking after our body, yeah. bodies, um, so I did all the qualifications, went to like Edinburgh College to do, it was just like short courses. Mm-hmm. And I started selling them at Stockbridge Market, Leith Market, and to Grands. So you got all the packaging, all the branding? Yeah, did it all myself. Wow. Well, no, I didn't do the branding myself, but I did, like, the bottling, like, mm-hmm. putting the juice, making the juice, putting it in the bottles, sticking all the labels on. I oh. mean, it was that's a, a lot, lot of work. work. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's why I'm not doing it right now. Right, okay. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was so great. What, what was your favourite flavour of juice that you made? Um, carrot, apple... Ginger and lemon. Oh my gosh, it's so nice. That's one of my most ordered shakes at David Lloyd. They call it the, it's not obviously, they call it something else, carrot gold or something, but they put um, turmeric. How do you pronounce it? Turmeric or turmeric? I don't know. I I say turmeric. I say turmeric as well. I have heard some say turmeric, but I'm like, right, I'm (laughs) going for turmeric. Um, But turmeric in it too. Did you put turmeric in it? No. I I love it. And that seems to be the in thing at the moment. Okay, yeah. But, um, the, the thing with the carrot and the ginger is amazing, it's isn't so it? Nice. And the apple sweetens it. Yeah, and, and the, lemon. the lemon makes it like just that little bit sweeter. Oh, do you ever make it for yourself, even though you're not doing the... No, but I need to get back into juicing. I literally just bought brought because I'd put them in my mum's like, house, basically, because we didn't have enough space to store these juicers because they're massive. Yeah. But I'm like, no, I need to bring them back to the house. So I brought it back and made to start juicing for the whole family. Wow, good for you. But you're not, you're not, I mean, well, you've got a lot going on at the moment. So, so yeah. probably you're going to 
So after I had Maya, I just thought, I thought I would get back into it, but it was a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and I think it probably just gave me the fear to go back. And even like the standing at the market, you know, it was like a lot of days and mm-hmm. that was on the weekends. Yeah. Weekends, time is so precious. Yeah. So I guess, you know, and, and we were at the same vision board event together. So, and we've meditated with Lynette and, um, I think sessions like taking time to meditate can really help in terms of clarity, what it is you want to do, what your goals really are. Now, the thought of a juice business, lovely, but are you prepared to, to give up the time? Are you prepared to give up your weekends? And I think my answer would be the same. Uh-uh. Like I've been invited, um, you know, I free stands to sell the book and all this stuff. And I say no a lot because I'm like, well, my time is so precious. And if I've got like a couple of speaking gigs or podcasts or books to write or whatever, you kind of need to be really stingy with your time. You yeah. know, go, actually, no, I'm not, I, I want to live. I want to have moments with the kids. I want to have moments, you know, exercising or whatever you want to do, yeah. creating and stuff. So, yeah, looking after yourself, basically. And self care, yeah. meditation. I want time to meditate. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what gave you the because you set up the YouTube channel first yeah and then you set up the podcast and now you're also doing stuff with BBC documentaries yeah so BBC the social yeah amazing and um, so the YouTube started after I had Maya I was like a full-time mum something I'd never been before well I was when Oscar was really small but with Maya this is like a two-year thing and I was just like wow <laughs> You know, it's a lot. Like, for mums, stay-at-home mums out there, mm-hmm. I applaud you, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Like, and it's very, very difficult. Oh, yeah. Because you lose... I feel... Well, I felt like I was losing myself mm-hmm. in the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I got to a point... This was probably during the time of sort of, like, postnatal sort of depression, but I felt like, what am I going to say? Like... If I see if I meet up with somebody, what am I even going to talk about? Because all I've been doing is being with my daughter, mm-hmm. and I've not been going anywhere, mm-hmm. so I've got nothing to bring to the table, nothing to bring to the conversation. Talk about weaning and talk about nappies, <laughs> and and I know. and then I kind of switch <laughs> off after a while. I'm like, right, sorry, yeah, exactly. but I mean, I've done I've done all that, and now I'm. I'm getting out of that stage, and don't get me wrong, I see babies, and I'm like, oh, they're so cute, they're so cutie cutie. <laughs> But, I mean, the whole, yeah, baby chat doesn't really do it for me anymore. I'm mm-hmm. sure there was a point when I first had Bonnie that I was relishing in it. But, yeah, yeah I kind of want to have different conversations. And I think we all need that, though, don't we? And yeah. it's just admitting that. I don't want to have to talk about baby stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, so that's when I started the YouTube channel because I wanted to do something for myself and it's... I consume a lot of YouTube, so I watch a lot of videos, uh-huh. and I thought, oh, I can, I'll do this. Like, I love creating, and I've got ideas, yeah. so that's when I started my channel. It's cool. I'm the very slick professional. I need to do okay. more on YouTube, but I, I need to watch more as well, but the ones I've seen are great, um, and it's, it's a bit of a blend of things that you're doing. Yeah, so, so on YouTube, it's mainly um, like travel videos, mm-hmm. so I recently just went to Ghana with my husband, mm-hmm. and so I've got a few videos about our trip and um, family vlogging so going places in Edinburgh mm-hmm. Scotland and like you know bringing the camera with me are you coming to Dalkeith Country Park slide launch oh no. I need to check I think that's 
coming up um, because there's so many amazing places to take the kids they're getting a big new slide oh that's cool. triggered something there but um, I would love to see more videos of of you doing stuff yeah. like that it sounds awesome um, and then what else oh yeah just lifestyle stuff so mm-hmm. like I shaved all my hair off so that's on there oh, like literally days. you see everything going on um, what made you do that I was just like, my hair was so long, mm-hmm. and I was like, where's it going? From mm-hmm. here, it's just going to get longer. That sounds a bit weird, but like, that's what I was thinking. I was like, it's just going to get longer. And it's taking so long in the shower to like comb through it. Mm-hmm. Even now, my hair's going back, and it takes a long time. It's starting to take a long time. Like It gets like, you know, tuggy, basically, oh, but to nice. the extreme. And... I just thought, do you know what? And Maya was young, so I was like, I don't have enough time to be in the shower for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to shave it off. And it was, I loved it. It was so great. Like, I had it peroxide blonde. It was like 0.5, which is basically nothing. And it was just so amazing. I love that one. I'm going to go watch that. Um, so lifestyle stuff. And then you decided to do the podcast as well. Yeah. which is brilliant. As I say, I've been on it. You've had some great interviews. It's it's really, I think, the the purpose and the aim of this podcast is to show people what they can achieve, right? Definitely, yeah. To give people a, an incentive. So for mums that think, I've lost myself, and it, it's just the kids, and all the chat is weaning, where they're going, what, what classes, what sports they're doing, all that sort of stuff, to give them something else. Yeah, so I interview mums about their experiences and life stories mm-hmm. to show other mums that anything is possible yeah so I had Danielle who took her four-year-old son for six months around the world I think that's amazing yeah like so cool and but there's also mums that like live in Edinburgh who have started incredible businesses mm-hmm. and are really successful or you know people that have turned their life around like Amber who used to be homeless who mm-hmm. now I think she's been on your podcast as yeah, well, actually. Yeah, it's amazing. Who now has her own business. Um, and there's loads and loads of interesting things on there. Aoife, who has a daughter with Down syndrome, she speaks about her experiences. And Mike Webb, whose daughter is deaf. So getting you know a bit of awareness in there as well yeah. for people that don't normally have a voice. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, people, we can all do amazing things, but it's just reminding people of that. And has there been a common theme that's come up on the podcast so far about how people balance? Because it's great, and we can do anything, but that balance between juggling and looking after your mental health. I do try and ask, like, do you take time for yourself? Mm -hmm. And some people do, and basically some people don't. And, but I feel like if you've got... So I had somebody on who's a very successful businesswoman. Mm-hmm. And I think it's almost... It's not impossible. But when you're achieving such heights, mm-hmm. it's difficult mm-hmm. to take a step back. Yeah. Um, but it, it is possible. So something I've been looking into recently is the Miracle Morning. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've looked into I've it. I've looked into that. And there was a period towards the end of last year. I was awesome. I was getting up. I was meditating. I was doing all the cleaning. So my head, my you know, I was so organised. But I just feel, took a bit of time off at Christmas. We were in the lazy spa, chilling out. And then it got to January. And I was like, Scott's back at work. I'm trying to do a job and have the kids and I just got a bit frazzled but I want to get back into it and it's I'm, I'm getting there well, yeah I need to get there as well 
Tell, tell me about them. So do you do the miracle so, sometimes or? So I try like I something I've wanted to do for like a long time, and I've looked into basically successful people. So all sorts of people in America and even like Casey Neistat actually he's a big YouTuber mm-hmm. he wakes up at something like 4 and oh, then that's extreme for me I think <laughs> I don't know no thanks and then does a lot of stuff basically before 8am but that's when he takes time for himself to like exercise meditate I don't know if he does all the things but you can do journaling reading all these things for yourself uh-huh. before the day started to make sure that it's done. Uh-huh. And also before, if you've got kids, before your kids wake up. What time does he go to bed? He goes to bed, I think, at like 10. But he yeah. doesn't have enough sleep. Like, well, in my opinion, I would still need sleep. Six so hours isn't enough for me. No, I need no. like literally eight hours. So I think I would go to bed at like nine mm-hmm. and wake up at 5.30. So I tried it uh-huh. uh, and it was amazing. It was so great. I went to... Um, what's it called, tribe yoga mm-hmm. and had a yoga class, it was like a yin quite a relaxing yoga class uh-huh. I felt so relaxed and then I did it again going to spin spinning class and it was great but then the next, the morning after that my alarm went off and I was like no I'm too tired do you know what I find difficult is that sometimes there's things in the evening so like a class that I might want to go to yeah. and then what if it runs on and then I feel like I need to sleep yeah I know it's hard isn't but it's it? the discipline like I really want to do it and I am going to do it oh <laughs> I, I know or would it be because they say though you have to do it every day religiously I like the idea of maybe a few mornings and then having a lazy morning where I mean I love that idea of Scott bringing me breakfast in bed he's funny with crumbs um, <laughs> the kids have brought me breakfast in bed on my birthday um, but you know I love that idea of having my mum my and dad they pray together every morning oh, with a cup so of tea nice. and toast and I'm like I'm so jealous <laughs> <laughs> you know to have that time you know where they you know meditate well you know if you if you don't have a, a faith, you know, you could lie and meditate together, but they have this, and I, and I believe it's really kept them together through really, really hard times, and it's so nice to see. I just want Scott to not care about the crumbs in the bed and just lie with me, and, you know, we could read a self-development book or something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be so great. Would he be up for that? Mm, I, he would maybe have a cup of tea, but Scott and I are very different in that sense. He is quite a... He's good in the morning, he would get up, he would go to the gym, he'd be up early, he's quite, he's very driven, and he's very good at his job and stuff, but it's that balance, isn't it, between the routine and the spontaneity, I, I don't know, I oh, like, okay. like to mix up, but it's compromise, isn't it, Yeah. it's all compromise, so we'll see, we'll, we'll look and keep each other informed how, yeah. how we get on with our miracle morning, <laughs> Um. Goodness, we've been chatting for almost 45 minutes. Time wow. just flies by. Could chat to you all day. Um, so I think we'll do a little bit of karaoke. Now, you were saying to me about um, Afrobeats. And we were yeah. talking about Tracy Chapman. And um, I think we narrowed it down as another good song, Golden. But what was the other one? Dream Big? Yeah, Dream Big by Jasmine Sullivan. Tell me why people should tune into this song um, and the lyrics. What is it? So this song is a song that I listened to just before I went to London into the big agencies. And I had made sure, like, I am getting an agency. This is what I told myself in my head. Mm-hmm. And I would listen to this song over and over again. And it basically said, um, 
I've got a dream big, and if it happens, it's going to happen real quick, so it'll happen quickly, and that you only get one chance. Mm -hmm. So when it happens, you're not going to get that chance again, so you've got to make the most of it when it comes, and do the best you can do mm -hmm. to make sure that you become successful in that, in that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I really have taken that through my life. I love that. And just to, for a finale, what does success mean to you? Because it means different things to different people. So success to me means happiness in terms of like overall happiness in family life, mm -hmm. financially, and reaching a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I think for me it would mainly be reaching a lot of people with a very good message yeah. and changing people's lives, basically. Yeah. That um, sounds a bit cheesy or something. No, but, but I, I think it's, it's purpose, isn't it? And they say if you have a clear purpose and you live your life with that passion, it really is good in terms of a stress buster. It's great for our mental health. And we need more light in the world. It might sound cheesy, but the world can be quite dark and, and difficult. So yeah. I say keep shining bright, babe. Oh, thanks. Loving it. And um, yeah, it's been amazing to have you in my crib. And uh, looking forward to just shaking around with you now. So um, Thanks so much for having me. You're awesome. Your thank you. Podcast. Oh, thank you for coming. Any place is better. Start from zero. Nothing to lose. Maybe we'll make something. Me, myself, I got nothing to prove. We love you, Tracy. You got a fast car. I got a plan to get us out of here. We won't get at the convenience store. Managed to save a little bit of money, won't have to drive too far. Just cross the border and into the city, you and I can both get jobs. Finally see what it means to be living. You see, my man's got a problem. He lives with a bottle, that's the way it is. He says his body's too old for working. But it's too young to look like this My mama went on and left him She wanted more life than he could give her Said somebody's got to take care of him So I quit school, that's what I did I love like verses with the chorus You got a fast car Is it fast enough so we can fly away? We gotta make a decision Leave tonight or live and die this way. <laughs> so remember when we were driving, driving in your cars. Be so fast, feel like I was drunk. City lights lay out before, and your arms felt nice right around my shoulder. I, I had a feeling that I belonged. I, I had a feeling I could be someone. Be someone, be someone. Woo!